This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. It was about a year and a half ago that my Subaru Forester died. I'd had that car for nearly a decade, and it was sad to see it go, especially because I had human fishing partners that came and went, multiple people in the same time that I had that car. And I had that car back before we had children, and so when I was fishing virtually daily, I was in and out of that thing, and everything had a place. All of my stuff had a very organized and ordered spot, and so it was just so easy to get rigged up and to get set up and to fish and to just get back in the car, go home, next morning, get back at it again, and everything had a place, and there was a place for everything. And included in that was all these little hidey holes and cubbies and stash points that the forester had built into it. There was things that I don't know what the real purpose of these little holes were, but they fit fly fishing things perfectly. For example, if you pop the carpet up and it had this rigid plastic plate in it, and that's how you got into the spare tire and the jack and things like that, there was another little slot that was probably two and a half to three feet wide, the virtually the whole width of the, the back of that car, but it was this shallow little trough, and it was the perfect size for a fly rod in a rod sock. I'm not sure what they intended to go in there, but it worked great for stashing an extra fly rod, and so I would keep a fly rod back there kind of as my backup, or even if I had to like clear out the car because it was going to the shop, I would have a fly rod in there, and that way I was never without. But I ended up having to switch cars. That thing finally died. It was tragic. Um, A hole in the gas tank on the top of the gas tank is not a cheap fix on a 10-year-old car. It's not a, a kind of fix that makes economic sense. So 
got rid of the Forester and got a Mazda 5. The Mazda 5, six people can ride in that thing. So that means the entire family can ride in it if need be, if the minivan is out of commission or whatever. But there's not the same kind of storage space. So when I bought the Mazda, I got rid of the Subaru and everything in the Subaru went into a big gray plastic tote. And I brought the plastic tote over to the Mazda I started putting stuff in it and I realized very quickly I couldn't put all that same stuff that I had accumulated over the years that either had real value or perceived value into the Mazda. And so a lot of it went back in the tub. Well, as I fished and as I hiked and as I camped and as I just did stuff in that Mazda, I would slowly but surely get into that tote and find the things that I realized I needed and put them back into spots. I would make spots for things in the Mazda. And what I realize is that there's a lot of things that are not fly fishing specific that I use a lot in fly fishing. So these are things that I think that I should have in my car and that you should have in your car that are not fly fishing specific, but you use a lot in fly fishing. And some of them are kind of disaster preparedness items, but uh, that's oftentimes what you need. So let's start with the most obvious one, duct tape. Of course you need duct tape. You should have duct tape in your car. Hopefully it's not to keep a fender on or something like that or a window up, but there's so many uses for it, and it's almost a no-brainer. It almost seems silly to say it, but you can do quick waiter repairs with duct tape. You can keep your reel on your rod with duct tape. I've had to do that before for myself and for others where a part of the reel seat falls off and you have to use a length of duct tape to hold the foot of the reel onto the reel seat. And this is an important thing about duct tape. I find it is most effective when you take your time and measure what piece you're going to use and lay it on very, very deliberately and wrap it on there tightly and a time that I've had to fish all day with a real foot that was on the real seat using a bunch of wraps of duct tape it was completely inconspicuous because we took the time to do it right of course there's a bunch of residue and junk on it afterwards but in the grand scheme of things we got to fish that day and it wasn't a problem So another thing I used duct tape for relatively recently was I had a night where I spent the night in my car, nothing to do with a bad domestic situation. I got into the fishing spot late and I was planning on fishing early. So instead of spending 60 bucks in a gross hotel, I just slept in the back of my vehicle. I enjoyed doing that. And so I wanted to crack the sunroof and I just found a little bit of like cloth and cracked the sunroof open. I think it was like a bandana and I duct taped the bandana over the top of my sunroof so the bugs couldn't get in, but I had a little bit of breathability. I have some mesh, but I just didn't bring the mesh with me. So this was a good way to use my sunroof, but not get attacked by mosquitoes or what other things might come in the middle of the night. Having a little bit of duct tape, whether it be a whole spool or kind of a length of duct tape pulled off the spool and wrapped up and stashed somewhere in the vehicle. It's a great thing to do. The next thing is boot laces. Now, boot laces are very, very versatile. If you think they're just for boots, you're wrong. Why boot laces and not shoelaces? One, they're often longer because a boot lace has a lot more length to travel to complete its cycle on a shoe 
or a boot. Secondly, they're usually made out of more rigid and durable material, a heavier duty nylon. And thirdly, I found that the aglets, that's the end bits, are more rugged than a traditional shoelace. And why bootlaces and not something like paracord? It's those aglets, those little hard plastic narrow diameter ends to bootlaces. Those are so much more user-friendly than even a bit of melted end of paracord. Like, you know, when you cut paracord and then you take a lighter to it and it kind of shrivels up and melts, that's still blunt and it has the tendency to fray. And so I like those aglets, those end of bootlaces. So what do you use bootlaces for? Well, obviously, if you are fishing with wading boots that the laces break and all of a sudden you have a floppy ankle on your wading boots, that's not great. And so now you have an easy fix. But there's all sorts of things you can rig up. And let me just give you the two examples that I thought of today when I was planning for this. The first was a time when I had a pair of wading boots fail on the stream, but it had nothing to do with the laces a felt sole fell off of the boot and I tried to manage by walking on that boot just with that bottom kind of exposed. The problem is a relatively rigid bottom with just the adhesive bits left on it was not very grippy. I slid all over the place. Well, I wasn't going to litter and leave that felt sole in the water, so I took it and I just like stashed it in my wading belt or something like that. When I got back to my car a couple hours later, I took that boot lace and I just wrapped that felt sole onto my boot on the front and the midsole, kind of around the ankle, and it wasn't perfect and it slid around a little bit when it got wet, but it held and it was good for the trail, it was good for the wet rocks, and it made my afternoon of fishing much more enjoyable had I just A, decided to quit, or B, decided to tough it out using the uh, naked bottom to my boot. So bootlaces come in handy for that. Bootlaces are also great for just lashing stuff to other stuff. Recent example went hiking up in the mountains, and I threw a fly rod in the back of the car that I assumed had a rod sock in the rod tube. But when I got there, it didn't. It was just a divided rod tube. So what that means is not only was there three loose pieces of fly rod, but there was no rod sock with those tie points that you have on most rod socks. And what I usually done was use those tie points to lash my rod sock to the outside of my backpack. So now I had to figure this out. So this uses two things I always keep in the back of my car boot laces and socks. I'll get to socks in a minute, but I used the sock for not my feet, but I put the rod in the sock and it still was touching, the the ferrules were touching each other, which isn't ideal for a, a hike, but it was better than not taking the rod. And I used the boot lace to lash this, the rod and the sock that the rod was in, in a few places up my backpack and it worked just fine. But boot laces, you can keep all sorts of things attached to all sorts of other things. Incredibly versatile, incredibly handy, easy to use, and a nice, tight, concise little ball. They're, they're not the kind of thing that you're going to hang a food bag from a tree in bear country, but you're going to be able to use them for all sorts of things and uh, a lot of things outside of fly fishing. So I mentioned socks. When I am fishing and I'm waiting, I am wearing pants that can get damp, and I anticipate getting a little bit damp. You're going to sweat while you're waiting, even in cold weather, and usually your pants will dry off. When they get a little bit damp, 
they're going to dry off quickly. And so whether that means as you continue fishing or as you go to the restaurant afterwards, your pants are going to be just fine. But socks, even nylon socks are still going to stay damp. And on the river, that's no fun. And after you get off the water, that's no fun. So I always have a pair of kind of mid-weight hiking socks in the back of my car. And there's been times where I've fallen in and my pants have gotten a little bit wet, but all of that water runs down the inside of my waders and collects in my foot. And now you have a very, very wet situation. And it's not going to dry because your booties on your waders are not breathable. And so that water is going to stay down there and your sock is going to absorb it all in. And so depending on the weather and depending on how much you're moving, you might be okay with a wet sock. But if you're moving a lot, if it's really chilly, then you're going to want to change out of those socks. And so being able to change socks back at the car is very, very helpful. You know, turn your waders inside out and, you know, fling them around and make sure you get all the condensation out of there. Your pants are probably going to be okay. I wouldn't go to the extent of carrying an extra pair of pants. If I'm going, obviously, for multiple days or a really, really long trip, I do like to have a go bag kind of with an extra shirt and a pair of pants, things like that. But a pair of socks lives in my waiter bag for this very reason. Also, for the very reason of if I have on dress socks or something like that and I want to fish and I want to be a little more comfortable, I can throw these on and then dress pants. I don't care. Really, as long as they're not jeans, I'm happy to wade in whatever kind of pants I'm wearing and throw my waders on and I'm good to go. But then there's other uses too. They're great for cushioning things. If I don't have a real case, and I'm leaving my reel on my rod and driving around, which isn't ideal, but we all do it. I can throw a sock over my butt of my fly rod and my reel and keep it protected, and it's not going to bang around and scratch into another reel or something else in the back of my car. So extra pair of socks. Pick the ones that are ugly. Then you're not going to miss them when you don't find them in your drawer. All right, so duct tape, boot laces, socks, a headlamp. I carry a headlamp on my person when I am fishing late spring, summer, and early fall because for whatever reason, you just want to stay out there because the weather is usually nice. Even when the sun goes down, it doesn't dip a whole lot in temperature, and I think there's something to be said for once you get going, you don't want to stop. And so you find yourself in the middle of the river, you find yourself out on the trail really, really far, you want that headlamp, you want a light, and you want it to be hands-free. And so I usually keep one on my person, in my sling pack, or in my backpack, when seasonably it, it's it's what I'm doing. But I always have one in the car. So I have two of them. I have one that I keep in my fishing stuff during that season that I was talking about, and I have one I keep in the car all the time, no matter what. And obviously, if you have to change a tire, if you have to look under the car, if you have to look under the hood, if you drop something, then you want not just a light, but you want a light that is looking where you're looking and your hands are free. The same thing is said when you are setting up for fishing. So there may be times where I'm not planning on fishing in the dark in the wintertime or spring or, or, or late fall, but I want to have a light that I can use as I'm getting rigged up. Uh, as I'm taking things down at the end of the day, I can look around, make sure I didn't leave any trash, make sure that I brought everything into the car. I don't know how many times where I've gotten undone at the end of the day, taken all my gear off and put everything in the car. And it's been a long day on the river. And as I'm pulling out, I think, did I leave anything? Did I put my 
fly boxes off the bumper and into the car. And there's been a few times where I've left things and to go back and, you know, use your headlights and all the other stuff. It's just nice to have a headlamp and to be able to look for things. And so that's something that I keep in the car for all sorts of purposes, but it comes in handy as you're getting ready. Even if your vehicle has all sorts of lights that come out of the tailgate or the trunk or whatever, having that directional light where you can look around your your spot that you're using is, is very, very helpful. The next thing is a small Phillips head screwdriver. So why just a Phillips head screwdriver? Why not a Phillips and a flathead and a hex wrench and a full socket set and all that stuff? A lot of people keep a full tool set in their car. I don't. I feel like I can get by in most situations with a Leatherman. The problem with a Leatherman is that if you have even a pretty robust one, the Phillips head screwdriver on that thing is pretty chunky. It's good for virtually all automotive uses on the outside of the car, not necessarily messing with your stereo or things like that. But the Phillips head screwdriver that comes in a Leatherman or any other multi-tool, it works in most normal circumstances. But when it comes to your fishing gear, and this includes reels and sunglasses and other things that have small parts, you need a very small Phillips head screwdriver. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. We've used a Phillips head screwdriver that is too big for the screw head that we're working on, and we stripped the heck out of it, and now we have a much bigger problem. That's one thing to do with a remote control car for your kid that was $15 at Target. It's another thing to do with your $250 pair of sunglasses or your $400 reel. And why would you want to be taking your reel apart in the car? Well, there's a couple of good reasons why. There's times where I've dropped a reel in some really silty, nasty mess. And I know I could wait until I get home the next day or a couple days later to clean it up. But I plan on fishing the next morning and I want to get that thing cleaned out. I don't want to continue to grind all of that grit and sand and nastiness into the gears. And so to get at it, I need to use a small Phillips head screwdriver or for whatever reason, my sunglasses are getting loose. I want to tighten them up because they keep falling off my hat when I have a bump of my hat or even sliding off my ears because they're they're loose and, and wobbly. And to be able to make that fix is very, very helpful. And there's so many other things a small Phillips head screwdriver can be used for. One that you might not think of is getting into your remote access for your car. If you want to replace the batteries on that, which of course you can do for yourself, you don't need to take it to the dealer, but you probably need a small screwdriver to do that. And uh, having that, all you gotta do is run to the store, buy the battery, and make that quick fix, and now you can get yourself back into your vehicle. So again, that's a not a fly fishing need, but it's another reason why I like to have a small Phillips screwdriver in my glove box. Which brings me to my last point. This has nothing to do with what you have, but it's where you have it. This might sound like totally common sense, but at the same time, I think it's worth mentioning. Where do you keep all these things? Where do you stash your extra fly fishing stuff? Where do you keep your first aid kit? Which I would say is another another non-fly fishing thing that it's good to have. Where do you put all these things? Because your glove box is only so big. Now, unless you have an excursion or some other enormous vehicle or a minivan. Minivans are spectacular. Minivans these days are amazing. If anyone says anything bad about a minivan, you can take it up with me. But if you have a normal vehicle, so a smaller SUV or a hatchback like I have, or a sedan, 
you're going to have a trunk space and you're going to have a couple other spots. So where do you hide all these things that you want to make sure you know where they are? So the glove box works, the little pockets behind the seats work, but you know a place that I think is incredibly helpful to, to, to use is where your spare tire is. So that spot either in your trunk or in the back of your, your vehicle where you pop up that little panel and there's probably some hidey holes for flares and for jack and for some tools, but there can be little spaces in there to keep some of these things. And I would say just get a little bag. I like using the reusable grocery bags or I go to conferences for work and they give you, you know, all the books and things like that in one of these totes, one of these kind of heavy duty nylon totes. I use those and that way if I have to clear that stuff out of there to actually change my tire, it's not picking a bunch of stuff off, putting it on the ground, making sure you remember it and all those things, but it's just in a bag and easy to grab. Another thing that I like to do is to put things in the cup holders in the back of the car. So I have my kids in the very far back, the third row, every once in a while, but not too frequently. So I use those cup holders to hold things. I know right now I have a screwdriver and a headlamp and a trash bag stuffed into one of the back cup holders of my car. And that stuff is going to stay there. That's just another place where it's out of the way, where I'm not going to put groceries on top of it or anything like that. I have access to those things very quickly and easily if I need them. So hopefully this has been helpful. Is there something that you think is essential to have in your car that's a non-fly fishing item that you might use for fly fishing, either because of an emergency or simply in the course of doing business? I mean, there's lots of other things. I think about, you know, I've used straws out of my glove box to tie nail knots. I don't necessarily have a nail knot tool on me all the time, but you can quickly with a pair of scissors turn a straw into a nail knot tool. I mentioned uh, plastic trash bags earlier. These are just the bags from Walmart or Target or from the grocery store. You know, these are not single-use bags. My goodness, if the people who say that those bags are single-use bags do not have children because there's always a mess that I'm cleaning up. And I'll put them in my car and I'll use them for all sorts of wet things, whether they be wet clothes, if I've fallen in, or if I have caked mud on my wading boots and I don't want it rubbing up against all their stuff in the back of my car. There's lots of uses for plastic bags. And so you can probably think of things that you already have in your car that are useful. So let me know if, if there's something that you just can't live without, that you always have in the car, that isn't necessarily a fly fishing thing. You know, it's it's not a box of bass poppers, but it's a non-fly fishing thing that you use in your fly fishing day-to-day. This week on Casting Across, two articles. The first one was called The Mayfly Project Mentor Interview, Heather Sees. Heather is not just a mentor in the program, but she also does project coordination across the country. And she has a really cool story about how she got started in Mayfly Project, so you can check that article out on the website. The second article this week is called Learning Under Rocks, and I took my boys out to do some stream research, and they learned all sorts of stuff about caddisflies and mayflies and other aquatic insects, and it was really fun showing them how to do a macroinvertebrate study, but I also learned something about a local stream that kind of set me straight, and to do that macroinvertebrate study, I used the Ascent Fly Fishing River Oracle Streamside Match the Hatch Kit, and this week's recommendation on the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast 
is the Ascent Fly Fishing River Oracle Streamside Match the Hatch Kit. This is a great little kit. It comes in at $45 and it gives you a bunch of really high quality tools. It all comes in a little pouch that you could put in the back of your car or on your waiting belt or in your backpack. And in that little pouch, you get a mesh scene net that you can put over the top of your fishing net. I had a trout net with me, just a little wood broden trout net, and it worked great with that, but it also works with those giant enormous nets that people carry around. This would work on that. So there's the scene net. There's six little glass vials that could keep pretty much any bug that you find on this any river. And there is a thermometer, there is a magnifying glass, and there's a little waterproof notepad and pen that you're able to take notes about what you find. It's really cool for educational purposes, not only like science class like I was doing with my kids, but also for you so you can figure out what the bugs are eating. And if you fall into a cycle of doing this, taking surveys every time you're out, you're able to see what is happening in your stream. Because as I wrote about in the article on Wednesday, if you are trying to discern what the fish are eating by waiting for something to fly into your face, you're missing out on probably 90% of the fish's diet. It's almost all underwater things. So I know a lot of people turn over rocks. This takes turning over rocks to another level and really encourages you to get into the habit of seeing what's underwater in your stream, what the fish are seeing and what they're not seeing, and help you make an educated decision as you are choosing flies. I will put a link to the River Oracle Kit on the page for this podcast on the Casting Across website. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.